during that personal development time, what I was really trying to do, it was really trying to heal. It was trying to forgive all the people that I was supposedly angry at, but that I wrote down on my list. And then obviously at the end of that was me that I needed to forgive. Welcome to the Jacqueline Shaw Show. This is a space where we go deep, deep within, deep within where you access the sacred wisdom within you, where my truth and the truth of the women I bring on this podcast create a remembrance within you, within your soul, within your energetic field. Here, we don't look outward, we go inward because in my world, it's always about taking you deeper in, in where your truth lives, in where your power resides, in where your soul knows. Welcome and get ready to go to the depth with me. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Jacqueline Shaw Show. Today, I am diving into an episode that I am really, gosh, I'm like, what am I even really feeling? Because I'm just really feeling that it is like a conversation that is going to be so important for you to hear, for you to listen to, for you to come in with openness. I I'm going to have a conversation today with Christy Sondergaard and Christy is a freedom creator. She's a truth teller. She's a self-made entrepreneur. And one thing that we share in common is really being willing to share our stories, share our truth, sharing the events that led us to finding our true source of power, being able to trust in our journey, being able to rise from the ashes. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Christy, to dive in, to open up this conversation. Christy and I met recently in a mastermind that I was hosting that she was part of, that I was co-facilitating. And she had shared pieces of her story with me. And as we dove deeper and deeper and deeper, at one point, she said to me like, I'm ready to share my story. I'm ready to share my story. She bravely and boldly asked me if we could share it here on the Jacqueline Shaw show. And it was an immediate yes. It was a projector invitation that I wanted to say yes, yes, yes to. So here we are. Oh my God. I can't believe that we're here doing this. Thank you so much, Jack, for saying yes. I know that like when we have stories to tell, like people don't, necessarily know this about masterminds but when you come together in a container like there's there's a calling and there's also something even more powerful there's there's the collaboration of everyone's energies together and really what creates the connection and it wasn't really with any intention but a lot it's it's your leadership that led me to telling my story, but it was you sharing so many parts of yourself and your journey so that we could see those parts in ourselves. And when you had mentioned to me about that something in your business had shifted and changed, when you shared about the infidelity in your marriage and how you shared it publicly and how you healed it and how it empowered so many others to to do the same, I, my ears like perked up. It was like, I was like struck with like some bolt of lightning. It felt like in that moment, I was like, what? Because to be honest with you, even up to that point, even though I had done so much healing on my own prior to coming into that mastermind, what led me to that mastermind was something I felt was different, but what I got out of it and where it where it started was with my story. So that vulnerability piece that we talk candidly about is really a real thing when you have a a safe space to share that. And it was the start of the exposure of my truth that I felt like I needed to tell. And it's just been unraveling. And since then, I've decided that, you know, in telling my story, Actually, my part of it in telling my story, there's a lot of healing that came from it for me and has continued to come. So I feel like I'd done tons of it on my own, but I really didn't realize how much more there was until I gave myself permission to be seen. 
and I shared it with the women and Michael in our mastermind. And it was at that moment, and there was a lot of tears and and it and it kept coming up <laughs> for a little while in in terms of the hot seat coaching and all that kind of stuff. I needed to have more discussions about it. and and then it, you know, i I shared it in a in a master class, and here I am ready to tell it now to your audience and wherever else it ends up reaching. So mm. yeah, yeah, it, I'm grateful for this moment. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And before we even dive in, like just hearing you speak here, I truly believe like storytelling, I mean, storytelling is like one of the oldest pastimes, you know, and and you said this, and I just want to like really come back to this. It's like when we share our journey, when we're willing to share our experience, when we're willing to speak from this place of, you know, being truth tellers, even when there's you know, the possibility for judgment on the other side, even when it can feel like shaky, scary, whatever it feels like we allow people in on our journey. And while other people's journeys might not look the same or even similar, I truly believe through the power of storytelling that we collect these elements of wisdom. We hear our own sacred wisdom within us. And so I truly believe that storytelling is the catalyst of change for so many people. I feel like through storytelling, things get recoded because it's like my truth and your truth get to meet and our truths don't need to be the same, but it's like through this expression of truth, we can all find a piece of ourselves in each other's journey, whether it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I've had that similar experience, or I've had that thought that you've had before, or I felt that feeling that you felt before. And what this truly does for me is allows all of us as humans, I was going to say women, but really all of us as humans to not feel so alone on our journey. And I know for me, when I first experienced, you know, infidelity in my marriage, like that was the biggest thing. I felt so alone. I felt like I can't share this. I can't talk to anyone. Like I really, truly felt so alone. And so in the beginning, when I started to share my story online and with strangers and, you know, face judgment from a lot of people as well, I was like, if I can help somebody else to not feel so alone, then it's worth it for me. And through sharing my story online, I have gotten, you know, like dragged through the mud. I've been told I've, I'm a disgrace to women. And how can I lead women after I've like healed in my marriage and took back a cheater and all of these things. And well, I've gotten received messages like that. It doesn't compare. And like, I'm willing to like hold that energy and like and not even hold it, but, you know, receive that because the messages that I've received from women who thank me, who say like, oh my gosh, I don't feel so alone. You've helped me. I see like another light. I've been able to see through the eyes of God. Like those, like, that's why what I'm here for. This is why we share our truth. Oh my God. I love that. It resonates so much with me as well. And I think this whole becoming ourselves and our most authentic version of ourselves is really, it lies in our stories. Because I think that in the world, we've been told, and, you know, it's been modeled to us that this is, this is how you become successful. This is like, the ideal person, you know, like in terms of like, if you want this in life, this is where you need to be. And we know we show all the perfection of it, of the world, but there is nobody that has lived 47 years like I have without having some things that they've gone through, whether it was in their childhood, things that they are ashamed of, they're embarrassed about, they never want a single soul to know about that they buried inside of themselves. You know, whether it was in their teens, there was something that happened, mistakes that were made, choices that were made that, you know, got out into the open and they were ridiculed and shamed and, you know, felt like they were hung on a cross to (laughs) crucify them. You know, like there's people have been through a lot, a lot of stuff. And I don't really truly believe there are bad people. I think that there are unfortunate circumstances that happen. And while I feel like I've always lived in a very, to be honest, I've lived 
well. I've, I would, I had a very good, strong upbringing. I um, had two parents that absolutely loved me. I had a brother that I grew up with and later on in life had it discovered. I had another brother. I'll tell you, I was 31, 30, and I was pregnant with my first child. I was living in Denmark and my mom gave me a call and I thought it was our regular Sunday talk kind of thing. And she like, she's like, are you sitting down? I said, no, hang on. Why? What are you going to tell me? Like, I thought the first thing she was going to tell me is that her and dad were splitting up, but no, she said, like, I have something to tell you. You have another brother. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? What do you mean? I have another brother. So she had a baby when she was 19 and was not supported. Um, her parents didn't even know about it. She moved from a small town in Saskatchewan to where I live here in Canada and moved to Edmonton in another province with her older sister, which was the only sister that knew that she was pregnant at seven and a half months, just so that, you know, nobody could see the final couple of months where she would be really popping. And she w- she went to go and have a baby all by herself in hospital and had to give him up for adoption and didn't feel she had any support like from a Catholic upbringing and with women at that time, like she, she had sex with somebody and it was like her first time and she got, she got pregnant and she was left alone with this her whole life. She buried the story. She buried the pain. She buried everything. And she poured her heart into the family that she eventually ended up having with my brother and I, and felt like she gave up a huge part of herself and never felt like she could share that with us until all of a sudden his wife, ex-wife contacted uh, my mom because he had an injury and um, yeah. And they wanted to look back at his genetics to find out like, where this pulmonary pulmonary embolus came from, from this injury that he had playing lacrosse. And it ended up being that um, they found her. And that story, I remember feeling at the moment, like, what the, what the fuck? Like, how could you have kept such a, like an intimate story, something so personal, something so like, I would have understood. I never would have shamed you. I never would have judged you. But in the moment at that time, when those things happen, you have those feelings and you feel you cannot share it with anyone, not even like anybody, like other than her sister, which I don't even to this day really even know if she was even able to share it openly with her. But those feelings get locked in and eventually we go on, we learn to cope with it, but we don't actually deal with it, but it shows up in different parts of her life and how we are. And it, when, when Chris came into her life, like everything, everything changed. Like she went through this whole upheaval of this emotion. Like she was reliving the experiences, reliving the shame, the guilt. And she was like, Oh my God, my family didn't ever know about this. Like her brothers or sisters, like everybody. And her surprise like everybody met her with these open arms and this understanding and compassion and empathy for the story, which at the time was so taboo. It was so like awful that these things happen and women were ridiculed terribly. They were sluts. They were, you know, like they were shamed and, you know, who all these other things. So she, I don't think um, like there was a lot of things that came from that, but I just wanted to share that story because it can be at different points in our life. It doesn't necessarily have to be when you're adults. And these stories we hold on to. And until they are told, are we only able to become free fully of them? So I just, I want to come here today, not for the purpose of freeing myself in any way from, from my story, because I want you to know that I have healed. I have done all the healing that I've needed to do in alone with the people that I needed to heal with my family, my children, my, my ex, uh, although the healing I had, that has never been an open door to discuss with him because it was closed at that point when it happened. But 
I've done all of that work. And then I did even more, not even, not even thinking that it was anything I needed to bring up. And it's funny that we're here talking. I'm here to tell this story for others today. This isn't any longer my story. I lived it. It was a part of me, but this story is for others. And we're here to talk about it at any point, but we're starting at this point with Jack. So, oh my gosh, there's so much wrapped it up in all that you've just said, like that story alone. I feel like we could record an entire podcast episode <laughs> off of, because I, it's just crazy as I'm hearing you speak too, because it's like, yeah, like the shame that you're, you know, that your mom was holding on to until she was able to freely speak in the lens that I look at it from too, is like, I know a handful of women with that exact same story. Like I have people in my life with that, that's literally that same story. And it's like, imagine how alone they also felt because they never shared it. They were never, they didn't know other women were going through this as well. And so, well, we're not going to dive deeper into that story. I just like, this is why to me, it's so important for us to be willing to, to share and express and like not hold back. And there's something that you said at the beginning. It's like not believing that there's bad people. And so coming to conversations like these with, with really being in a space of, you know, I think this is why oftentimes in like mastermind sessions, like you said, people can really open up to me. There was so much shared in that mastermind that I think people never thought that they were going to share because when we feel safe, when we feel held, when we're held in the frequency of love where there is no like, well, you know, is, is that going to make me or them think I'm a bad person or this or right or wrong or judgment? And so today, as we dive into this conversation, my invitation for everyone listening is like, there may be points in the conversation that feel triggering, that feel like whatever upsetting what the fuck but like can we really hold this space in the frequency of love because i truly feel like when we do that we find elements and pieces of our of ourselves in the story and in the journey and at the end there you said you know today you're really coming here for others and i remember that moment in time for myself i've i've often shared this i was like you know the first time my husband left i was like it was for for me and for him like individually like we did so much of our own work during that time and then the second time i was like was for was for everyone else because the second time is when i knew that there was a story here that i really needed to share with other people um and that's when it was like okay it was for me and then it was you know for everyone else so let's dive in you said to me before we hit record you said this story specifically has been the catalyst for so many things I need to tell it because there's so much and and now I'm paraphrasing, but you had basically said like there was so many things that led up to this this point. There were so many things that led up to, I mean, we've alluded to that we're going to be speaking about infidelity, but there's so many things that led up to the affair. So yeah. let's dive in. Well, my I met my husband traveling. We were traveling the world separately. <laughs> I had gone to Australia to rescue my younger brother <laughs> who was there 18 years old, so brave traveling. And that's when I, when I met um, my husband at the time and felt like, of course, had no desire whatsoever to like meet anybody. It was never my intention, but of course that's when it happens. And I did, and we were madly in love and continued on our, um, our travels together for another few months. Like we were so attached and so in love and um, he went back to Denmark and I went back to Canada and we ended up like, he was supposed to be going on to school, political studies, like, I don't know, whatever it was, but anyway, political studies when he decided to not continue to go there because we needed to continue this, like what, what was happening? So he came, came back to Canada. He left that and, um, stayed with me for periods of time. We go back and work and that's, that was our life for about a year and a half. So we never really like spent a lot of time together. Um, like relatively speaking, we didn't know each other that well. However, I I've been somebody that's always been heart led and I knew it in my soul. Like the second day that I had met him and just said hello to him, that that was my future husband and I was going to have babies with him. And I even remember telling my brother at the same time, cause we were kind of traveling along together in Australia and uh, different, different ways. But I remember saying to Tim, I said, you know, like, 
I'm going to marry him. And she's like, oh my God, you're like absolutely crazy. <laughs> Who says that? But sure enough, like I just knew it. And um, so it was a year and a half later where we were deciding like, oh my God, we, we were students. I was a physiotherapy student. He was like, he left his schooling just to work so that he had the funds to come travel. And we were both like, how are we going to make this work? We didn't have enough money to be traveling constantly every few months, like to the other side of the world to see one another. So we made a decision that we were going to get married. And it was primarily so that we could stay together longer in one city and one place because one person needed to work. And so um, we decided to, to get married and I convocated from physiotherapy school and a week later was married in Saskatoon and two months later moved to Denmark. And I remember when he picked me up and drove us to the place that he found, it was like this little, little, little place in comparison to where I came from. It was just a totally different experience, but it wasn't, it was, it was like a new culture. It was a new language. It was an the surroundings looked different. They were new people. Like everything in my life changed in a moment. And I remember feeling like even like physiotherapy school as a very motivated student, I was, I was wanting to get out and work. Like I wanted to get a job right away and I couldn't. And I felt like I was held back by so many things until I learned the language and was accepted as somebody that was living there, breathing there, even, you know, a Canadian in Danish culture. So it, it took a little while. And I think I lost to be honest with you, a piece of myself, um, when we were there, I did go through a depression and, um, did come out of it. I, I had some help with that and was fine. I started a business, a thriving business, <laughs> believe it or not, after I had gotten a job and everything was great. And I had my first daughter and we moved back to Canada and it. So we were there for about five years and it was just all these shifts and changes so suddenly. And even though it sounds like five years is a long time, but I went through so much in that period of time. So when we came back to Canada, it was to find more opportunity just to come back closer to, to my family as well. And I started, started working. And at the time he was, while he was in Denmark, he got his nursing degree, but it wasn't at the same standards as Canadian standards. So he had to like do a little bit of work to bring that up to, up to par. So I was the one that stood for everything. I switched my career because I remember in the moment, even though I could go back to physiotherapy, I didn't want to go to the traditional working in the hospital setting. I had left that in Denmark to create the business. I wanted the same back here in Canada. And I wanted primarily to be able to have the time to be at home with my daughter, like more than anything, I wanted to do that. My mom did that while we were growing up. I wanted the same for, for my daughter, but I still wanted to be a professional and to work. It was something that I, I love doing. So my dad had a business and financial services said, why don't you try this? Why don't you join me? And it was a complete leap of faith. And I did. And honestly, it was a performance based job. Like it was commission based. Like you had to, I had to learn the trades. I needed to learn personal development. I learned like so many things that were so foreign to me. I led myself through, but the motivation behind it was so that I could be at home. And um, my husband at the time wasn't yet working. So I was like the breadwinner. And so this, this was kind of like, you know, like I chose these things. And yet at the same time, I was holding so much responsibility. and my husband at the time. And I find this funny because um, those people that have accents, they're always generally like kind of like concerned about who's going to hear them. Are they going to be able to be taken seriously if they don't speak with like an English or Canadian accent? And, you know, and, and we in Canada, right, Jack, like we love people with accents. We think that they're like so cool, so different. And, but this isn't what he was feeling. So he, he leaned on me a lot for taking care of things even things like getting the bills kind of paid, like that was the, before everything was, you could do everything online, you called in and um, like so much had, had happened. And I was, I was torn between this real strong desire to want to really stay home and work a bit, but not to the extent that I, I was doing it. And it ended up being that I was like a, I was really good at that job and I was a, a top producer 
in my rookie year. And I continued to scale from there. And it was rewards, recognition, you know, it was like, you've got bonuses and that kind of stuff. And, and so that's what I thrived on. And I didn't have any clue at this point that maybe these things were not coming from a true authentic place. It was really coming from external means that were giving me and feeding me things that I felt that for years I never had. I had a void inside. I felt in my heart that needed to be filled and it was coming from external sources. And while I would say I was very rooted in my values, I was like the traditional good girl, high achiever, done really well, outgoing, friendly, had lots of friends in my life. I never would have thought I'd be in this position, but there I was. And I could feel that it was the CEO of my company at the time who tells me out of the blue, I don't know if you know this, but you're my soulmate. And I'm like, you are insane. And I need to stay away from this person. (laughs) And I, and that wasn't the truth. I mean, he was telling the truth of how he was really, how he really felt. And of course, I, I wouldn't say that I was naive, but I wasn't like, oh, completely. I wasn't open. I was actually, I was the exact opposite. And, you know, he, I think from a distance kind of fell in love with the idea of who I was the woman that I was, the woman that could do the things that I was doing from what appeared from the outside. And um, he knew my father in the business and loved my father. So felt like he knew me through him because we were in the same business. And so over time, about a year and a half of kind of working with him and him helping me get this business that I was in off the ground in terms of providing support um, for the province. We worked kind of closely together and um, became friends and friends turned into more. And I'll never forget it the first time. And it was a long, long time ago. And I remember feeling struggling, obviously, in my marriage with the things that we had going going on and also feeling like we didn't have the skills to talk about it. I personally didn't know that my conditioning or my, the things that I had grown up with in the world that I'd grown up with, the society I've grown up with, like all those things had played a factor into the person that I was, my conditioning. And I, um, it was a lie. I kept it. It the affair lasted a year, and and I was dying inside. I ended the affair cold turkey. We both did because it was wrong, but I was left with this feeling of like what that provided in terms of how I felt and what I wasn't having or what I wasn't feeling, and I couldn't figure it out. And instead, what I did is I just buried it like my mom. And I didn't in the moment take responsibility. I did not come out with my truth. I did not share it with him. Nobody knew. I could continue to keep this story a secret today, but I'm choosing to tell you not for me, but I want you to know the signs and the symptoms of the things that can ha- that happen before it's too late. The fair was just an effect of the things, but more than anything, it was the things that led up to it that I want to talk about. And then what did I do afterwards to rise from the ashes? Because I can tell you I was rock bottom and that anything that stays bottled like that eventually comes out and it did come out. So that affair was in, 2010. And the truth of the affair came out in 2016, uh, six years later. So I lived with this and my poor husband went through it. It wasn't, you know, I didn't share any of that with him. And 
yeah, I'm ashamed still today. And I'm, my heart like breaks that I had to put him through that because he does not deserve it. Nobody deserves it. And yet it wasn't about him. It was really about me. Mm. And it was about all the things that I just, it all came colliding in one, one place. And it just happened to be that that was the catalyst for all the change that I had made. I made changes prior to that in my business, but, and I learned some personal skills from seeking out that personal development long before, but during that personal development time, what I was really trying to do, I remember when I found out there was so much personal development in it, it was really trying to heal. It was trying to forgive all the people that I was supposedly angry at that I had to, that I wrote down on my list. And then obviously at the end of that was me that I needed to forgive. Um, so yeah, that's, I'll, I'll stop there for a second in case you have any questions before I go on, Jack. Yeah. So this like right there, when you said like, it wasn't like about him, this is something that I resonate with so deeply. And this is something that I, that I think it's really hard for people to get or to understand. And when I found out that my husband was having an affair, I, the one person I did tell, I told one person in the beginning and it was like a a friend of mine, he and I had like grown up together. And I told him, I was like, here's the thing is like, it's not about me. And he was like, what the, like, he's like, what the fuck do you mean? Like your husband's having an affair. This is your marriage. Like, it's obviously about you. And I'm like, it's not. And I was like, and I don't even know how to explain it, but I just have this, like, it's not, you know? And so hearing you say that too, and hearing your, I want to even like go back to the place where you said, you know, it, the affair happened for a year and that there was so much that like led to that, like for you personally. And I think oftentimes like we have the, this question, it's like, well, when it happened, like, why didn't you, you know, if you were unhappy, why didn't you speak about it? Why didn't you like this? I know, like in the beginning, that was my question for my husband. I'm like, you know, I felt like we were like open and I like, felt like there was like room for you to come to me. Like if you weren't happier to like have that communication and yet there wasn't like, he didn't feel that. And so I'm wondering if you can like share a bit more with us about like that feeling for you of feeling like you couldn't share how you were feeling in that moment in time. Um, I think selfishly, like I was afraid, like first and foremost, I was afraid. I didn't know what would happen. And I wasn't ready to like to deal with the aftermath of all of that and to feel like things were out of my control. I, I was not strong at that point um, to be able to trust that whatever was to come would be. And I think first and foremost, I think that that was it. And then the second part about it is that, you know, I had always like, I was a failure, essentially. And somebody like me that had a lot of really great things, like, you know, it's easy to say you're just a spoiled, you were a spoiled brat. Like, you were, you know, you had everything you needed. Like, what, what, like, what kind of person does that? Right. And I think all the way through, I was always trying to achieve and to please somebody. My, it was started from my parents, you know, like through school, getting good grades, like all the way through. Like, and now I didn't like it. When I was in it, I had no idea, by the way, I had no insight whatsoever. Today I do because I've done so much inner work and so much healing and understanding these pieces. It took about five years to heal or six years actually to really heal from, from this and to also have the understanding. I felt like it was such a entangled web. Honestly, I didn't understand it. Like I, I was there, I felt alone. I felt like what, if I did share anything, it would just spin out of control. The fact is that I did love my husband. It wasn't that I didn't. It was just like, I needed whatever it was. My, my soul needed to like get out, to figure out what I was supposed to figure out. And 
I, in the moment, did not feel like I ha- I understood it. I just didn't understand it because I was like really judging myself hard. I wasn't able to look at it from a, a different perspective or from a distance, like a bird's eye view of my own situation. I was in it and I was feeling my own feelings were just so overwhelming, shame, guilt, like disappointment. Like I felt like a failure. I felt unworthy. I felt like I couldn't even share because how could I impart that my pain onto somebody else? I knew somewhere deep inside of me that it wasn't my relationship. It wasn't my husband. I think it was a problem with our relationship. I definitely think that there was a problem with our relationship leading up. And then there was personal stuff that I was going through that I had gone through. And I think the, it's always expected that we just move on. We just don't feel it. We just, you know, like we rise above that's, that's always been the, the thing that we've always been told you need to rise above and continue to go. You can get over this. Come on. You know, like there is that. And what I really needed to do is I needed the space to cry, to grieve because I was grieving like so much at that time. I was grieving the loss of the marriage that I entered. I was grieving this love that I had, that I betrayed. I was grieving like so much my identity who I was, some normalcy, some support, some trust in myself and others. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't even trust my husband. Not that he wouldn't love me, but I didn't, I couldn't tell him to the extent of the pain that I had and that I didn't know where to go. And it wasn't therapy. It was like, this is like, uncovering like so many pieces of my identity that I feel like led to this and that I just, I couldn't deal with it. At that time, I had two small kids. I had a a three-year-old and a one-year-old, my God. And my youngest is autistic as well. So he's high functioning, but he, he was like two kids in one. And it was me that he needed all the time. And I clearly didn't have clear boundaries. I didn't, no one tells you how to parent, let alone an autistic child. And these are not excuses. These are just things that we deal with that, you know, was just overwhelming for me. And I didn't even know in myself that I was feeling overwhelmed because quite honestly, I grew up seeing my mom was just like amazing. She poured her heart into the family. Little did I know that she loved us so fiercely, so gave so selflessly without even giving back to herself. I thought this was normal. I thought it was normal. I thought, you know, this is where I fall into, like, I thought I should be able to do this. I thought this is just how you're meant to feel. I thought, and so like, you can see like, you know, I can see all this energy just like bottling up and in. It's like what we think we should be or how we think we should be able to, what we think we should be able to hold, how we think we should feel. And then when like the pressure's there and the overwhelm's there and it's like this and that, it's like, like, I feel like then looking, maybe not even, I don't think looking for the escape is like the right word, but getting lost. I think that like, this is where we do get lost. And then you said, you know, and I couldn't even like trust my husband in terms of like feeling like it was safe for me to like share that. And I think there's so much like, cause could you even trust in yourself and what you knew, you know, at that point in time, you you can't trust in anyone else when you don't even trust yourself, your ability to trust others really lies in your ability to trust yourself. And I clearly did not, I was completely lost and yeah. So there, there was, and I, you know, I, that's why I couldn't, that's why I didn't tell. I could have maybe, <laughs> of course I could have, but my God, there's so much courage. And I would say today, even telling my story is really courageous, but I did not have, I did not have courage then. I did not have any personal power, uh, not to the extent I would have thought like I was, I was successful. I was doing like all the things that on the, from the outside, what everyone deems to be 
you know, she's doing well, (laughs) you know, like from the outside, it may have looked like that, but on the inside, I didn't learn those skills. And this is what I'm doing with my daughter and my son today is like, we talk about feelings lots. We talk, we unravel the pieces and how they're connected. And even when I say no about something, it's not just no, it's like all the pieces of why, like the bigger context, the, you know, to give them a firmer understanding and why and why and how I'm choosing to make the decisions I am, because I want them to be empowered. I want them to feel like they're ready when, when my daughter goes on to be completely independent as a woman, she's 16 today. And I just told her recently the story just before a few weeks back, because I knew I was going to be doing this podcast. And I felt like it was time for me to come out and share it. My son is still too young um, and not yet mature, but my daughter was, and you know what? It was, it was beautiful. She like, she understood more about it. She, she loved me even more, which is, you know, trusting people that it could have been different. And I didn't have that trust back then when I didn't tell him. And I instead buried it. I tried to deal with it. I lived with a lie for a really long, long time. And I still, you know, I, I, the problems in the marriage didn't get fixed because we still didn't know how to communicate properly. You know, he's conditioned too. I was conditioned. Like, like, how do we get to that truth? You know, like, I feel like it, we didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't, I had the chance in the marriage, but I just, what it just didn't reveal itself um, until after the marriage was done. So, yeah. And then we ended up um, divorcing uh, six years later. I wanted to ask you about that for a moment, because when you were speaking in the beginning, like, so you had shared that there was, you know, the affair had happened in like 2010 and then 2016, like that you had kept it all in, like in those years, what was like going on? Like you were in your marriage and were you feeling like, what was like going on for you internally? Well, I wasn't intimate as I could have been with my husband. Um, And I, like our sex life was like really not good. (laughs) And I poured myself into my family, my kids, my children, my autistic son, and, you know, like, and then my work and it, you know, I became, I would say even like a workaholic, like I was chasing something, chasing success, money, like this is where I often see that it's like, okay, like we like, we chase something, right. We chase the success. We chase the money. We chase the pleasure. Like we chase all these things to really avoid like looking at the pain and looking at the hurt and like diving into the diving into the healing. And so when would you, when did that healing begin for you? Uh, A text message that I got from, from Rob, the man that I had an affair with. And who I'm still with today, actually, which is a another story to it all. But um, <laughs> there's so many pieces, Jack. It's 2016, and I ended up getting a text message because we. It was out of the blue. It was New Year's, and it just said, "Hi, I hadn't spoken to you for five years. I buried." <laughs> a lot of things from back then. And I just hope that you're okay is basically what it was. And I did not respond to the message. I went and and told my husband right away. I said, look, I just want to share this with you because he knew about Rob, but he didn't know that it was an affair. He knew something was going on. And I just said, I just wanted to be really open with, with you. I want to share this with you. And I was ready at that point. I'd done a lot of at this point I had also, I sought out um, like a personal development. It was through somebody in my work who was just so good with questioning and as as having conversations with people. I was like, it was enough that she showed genuine interest in us that I showed genuine interest in her. And I'm like, where did you learn this? And she said, well, you, you should come with me. And I went to Danny Johnson's first steps to success with her. And I thought I was going for business skills because at that point, 
I needed to learn how to delegate to my business and duplicate instead of just being the one to take it all on. And I was working at that point, like 70 hour weeks and crazy, not even having a clue that I was buried in my work because I had this pain inside. I had the pain. I was aware of the pain, but I didn't know that that I was covering up the pain for, um, and, and finding another place to put my energy into rather than the healing. And so, yeah. And right away, what I got out of it was personal skills. The first day we did forgiveness work and holy shit. I was like, I started writing down all these people because what ends up happening is you become bitter. You become Mm -hmm. like, you can become resentful. You become even like, I was fearing being judged. So therefore I was judging others. Like it was, it was a weird dichotomy of what was, what I was actually experiencing and the things that I held inside, then it it all ended up coming out. There was the shame, there was the guilt. It was like, you have to follow the fruit to the root. What was it that I was experiencing and what were the feelings? Give them a name and then let's track them to when you first started to feel this way. And it was at that point that I started to realize that, okay, I'm actually really upset about a lot of things. So, and in the end, <laughs> I I'm like, I, 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 I had to like, I had a little giggle there. And he's like, cause I remember, I mean, and it's again, looking back, like it, this time we can like, there can be like moments that we're like laughing about it. But I remember, gosh, I remember the first time that I was like diving into forgiveness work. And before I got to the forgiveness, like part of writing the forgiveness letter, there was like the anger letter. There was like the red angry letter that I started off with that was like, so fucking angry at my husband and like, fuck you. And then that I was so angry at the other woman was like, fuck her. And then I was like angry at all these things that I was like, I didn't even know I was angry about. And then I was angry at God and I'm like, fuck you, God. And then it turns out I was angry at myself for like not trusting myself. And like the times I had betrayed myself and it just took me on this whole spiral. And then I do believe like in the end, the angry letter came back to me, the forgiveness of all the things ended up coming back to like forgiving myself. And so this is why, like, I, I think even sharing these stories and coming back to this place, like it's all about our own interior work, our own experience on this journey, our own healing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, it cracked something open in me because I think I was holding on to things from from even when I lived in Denmark, even from my childhood, when I was angry at my father for, and my mom over their marriage of some things that had happened. And I was, I was holding all of these things. And I I just like, I had to like peel back the onion layers, like step by step until I got to the root. And in the end, it was me that I needed to forgive as the last piece. And while I think that's where it started, the journey started, it's not where it ended because like I said, this truth that we hold inside and we bury eventually needs to come out. And when it comes out, it erupts. And it's like, then the healing from that eruption needed to occur. So I, so 2016 happened and it just sent me into, it's like I had, I relived everything that I had buried. And my husband's like, what is going on? We've had like the best marriage in the last couple of years. Cause I'd done all this personal work. It wasn't yet where it, it needed to be. Um, but it was on the path of that being. And then all of a sudden I come with all this baggage and this horrificness that to him. And it was for me too, that I had, and, and I told him the truth and um, and it the 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 worst thing about it is it, it was right before a family vacation with our entire family. We were all going to Portugal. My brothers and sisters and kids and my parents and everybody, my husband and I and my family were going to Portugal to have this family time and experience together. And yet we were going through all this stuff. And of course, again, I can't. I was like holding it in. And I was trying to please continue to go on the trip with everybody else. And yet I think it was that, that kind of broke the camel's back because when we left and our flight was going through Toronto, I think I had an insane moment and I got off the plane. We landed and I said, I'm not coming home with you guys. 
I need to have a conversation. I couldn't explain it is like, again, it was, I wish I didn't have to blow up like this. I wish I had the skills that I have today, but I didn't. And I, again, hurt my husband and my family. And I, my kids were so young at the time. And there I was with my bag standing outside the airport, calling the number that texted me on January 1st saying, I'm in Toronto and I really needed to talk now. And it was in, it was like nuts. And, and then that's when I had to have this long conversation of what happened. And of course I came back the next day and um, I was really confused. Cause I was like, why did I do that? Did, was I in love with him? Was I, was I like, I like there, I was trying to figure it out and I was done. I think that was it. I was done lying. I was done not dealing with it. I was done. Like I didn't care. I did care. I cared deeply about my, my people, but I, I couldn't care enough about everyone else and no longer care about me and about this pain that I was carrying and that I felt so unworthy. So at that point, there was in my mind, like, and my husband, I asked him to leave. There was no conversation. It was very, 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 very painful for both. And at that point, it was when the healing started. It was a lot of grieving. I can't tell you how many times on the floor crying my heart out in pain, praying. And so like you hear about these things where people say like you have to hit rock bottom. And unfortunately, I created the circumstances for that without really the skill or even the knowledge or any of the things that I could have done differently (laughs) looking back on it. But I didn't. And that that's what happened. And it I taught myself out of the world literally for about a year and a half. I did not speak to my my parents, my family, my brothers, my sisters at all, like, yeah, they didn't want me in their life. And I couldn't deal with it. So I I I put on the face when my when I had my kids for the week and a bit. And then they would go back to him. And that's that's when I would just allow myself to just die. <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah. And then and I, I didn't die. <laughs> that's the thing. I didn't die. And I, I came back from all of that. Gorgeous, thank you for being here with us, with me today. These conversations, these riffs, these transmissions are seriously life-giving. They nurture my human, they nurture my soul. These are the type of conversations I want more of, and I know you do too. I'm so happy that you're here. It's truly an honor for me to bring my voice to this space. I love you. I will see you back here next week. In the meantime, please come join me on Instagram, Jacqueline underscore Shaw underscore. And if you have women in your world that you feel would love this podcast too, I would be so honored, so deeply honored if you share it with them. I love you. I see you. I'm standing in sacred witness of all that you are. Thank you for going deep with me.